Hey, hey, people, and welcome to another episode of the Talkin' Talkies. The Talkin' Talkies. We're official. Well, I guess... I, what is it that Kurt Brooks says? Well, it's official. We're now on Facebook. <laughs> That'll do it. And we are on Facebook. <laughs> we are Talkin' Talkies on Facebook. Find us. Yes. As always, yes. I am Dan, and that is Chris. Yes, you can also find us by going to giantmediaball.com. It's like a giant ball of media. And on the Twitter that we never use, it's at TalkingTalkingsCK. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Um, last week, we were joined by Wiggly, and it was awesome, and thank you to him. This week, no Wiggly, but uh, we got two movies to review because we are in the middle of viewer or listener request month. And we are watching the Kill Bill movies, Quentin Tarantino's fourth and fifth major motion picture. His first official quote-unquote sequel. Yes. Although these movies were originally one movie and he broke them into two parts because they ran very, very long. In fact, each one is roughly about two hours in length, which means, yeah, that'd be a long-ass movie in the theater. It's That'd a be longer four than hour tour. It's about the length of the Return of the King special edition, roughly. With two extra false finishes. Oh God, the false finishes. We'll get to those someday. Um, I am a huge, huge mark for these movies. I love the Kill Bill movies. I like most of Tarantino's work anyway. But um, I like everything I've seen of his. Yeah, these movies, I don't know what it was about them that I just thought was so cool, but I think it's just, I think the story is fun. Um, he never tells, well, he does on occasion, but he rarely tells his stories uh, in order of how they happen. And this one is not hard to follow, like some of his other movies. So you can really keep up with the story pretty well. A lot of stuff unfolds as you go through. There's a lot of little nuances to notice, which makes them a lot of fun. Yeah, um, the biggest skip he does is he shows us the second person before he shows us the first person. That's pretty much it. Otherwise, it's very much in order. The second movie, specifically, is uh, very much in order. There's just, like, the, the it begins with the flashback, and in, in the middle there's a flashback. Right, and that's... And that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. <laughs> So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Kill Bill, starting with Volume 1. Um, the opening shot is a bloodied and battered bride, which is Uma Thurman's character, in based her wedding on dress. Char- based on the character of the bride. The bride. By Q, by Q and you. <laughs> which stands which if, for Quentin and Uma. <laughs> yep, because they envisioned this entire movie while they were working on Pulp Fiction together. In fact, they he pretty much wrote it with her in mind. He's like, that's the only person I ever considered. Because i got to have another scene with her feet. (laughs) Yeah, because he he loves her feet. He likes Um, feet altogether, I mean. Yeah, that's his thing. He's got a foot fetish. And she's basically being talked down to by the person who did this, and you hear the voice of Bill, which is David Carradine's character, just berating her endlessly. And she's like, Bill, it's your baby. And he shoots her in the head. Yeah, he's not... um... What was he? 
He's like, I'm not sadistic, I'm masochistic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, this is four years after the events of this massacre here. And the bride is out to get revenge on the members of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, which she used to be part of, and they're the ones who did this to Which her. includes three non-vipers. Yes, three non-vipers. One of them isn't even poisonous. One of them is not even a, a snake. It's just the, the snake charmer. <laughs> yeah, snake charmer, right. <laughs> um, the bride is going to be knocking them off in order. Now, when we first see her, she is already up to the second person. Her name is Vernita Green, played by Vivica A. Fox. Uh, she comes to her suburban L.A. home in this fancy-ass pickup truck. We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh... And Vernita Green thinks that's her daughter coming home from school, but LOL, no, it's not. Their eyes meet. They start brawling. They <laughs> trash. music that got yeah. overused <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> 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 didn't Quentin every, Tarantino... Every indie wrestler thought he was a badass used that. Yep. Didn't, didn't Quentin Tarantino purposely say that the entire soundtrack was designed to be unoriginal? Like, he, he borrowed like, from was, everything? It was, it was the music he was listening to at the time, so it was all over the place. Yeah. But it still fits in a weird way. Um, yeah, so she's here to kill her, but her daughter just came home from school. And she's like, what happened here? It's like, oh, that was your dog. Now, uh, go to your room. I gotta talk to an old friend of mine. And don't come out until I tell you to. And they kind of, she kind of offers her a cup of coffee, all nice, and he's just like, so when do you want to do this, bitch? Kept calling her a bitch, which I got a kick out of. And he's like, I got to fix Nikki's cereal. Uh, tries to shoot her. Misses. Yes, it's a box of kaboom, so of course the gun is inside the box of kaboom. Of course it is. Uh, misses. <laughs> the bride throws a dagger into her chest, and... After distracting her by kicking the coffee... Yep. By drop kicking the coffee. And then her daughter kind of pops in the room and with this look on her face, and the bride's like, listen, uh, your mom really had this coming, but hey, if you're still feeling hot when you grow up, come and find me. I'll be waiting for you. Bum, bum, bum. Revenge. But yeah, we also learned during this part that she would have had a daughter that would have been this girl's age. But uh, that's not the case anymore. And they say her name, but it's bleeped out. Yes. So we don't know what her name is. And we're not going to know what her name is throughout this entire first part. Although we've already and heard it once. Of the second. Yeah. And half of the second. Although we've actually already heard it once right in the opening scene. Oh, her last name. Yes. Yeah, we knew that. So we start delving a little bit more into her backstory. She was in a coma. <clears throat> after the events of the massacre and the sheriff, the uh, Texas sheriff. Michael the, Parks. Yep. Who plays yeah. two people in these movies. He does, yes. There's a few cases of that. Um, I've seen him play all kinds of different people. He's really good. Like, I've seen him play a French-Canadian guy. Uh, and and then in part two, he plays a freaking 80-year-old Mexican guy. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, they shot... They shot everybody. They shot the Reverend, the Reverend's wife. They even shot that nice colored fellow who played the organ. 
he's uh he's investigating this massacre that happened in El Paso, although the Joshua tree outside <laughs> reveals that it was actually filmed in California because those don't grow in El Paso. But yeah, we're in Texas, and he's looking at the crime scene and looking at the bride and everything, and then he realizes that she ain't dead. So she's hospitalized in her coma, and some uh, really fucked up stuff happens to her while she's in this coma. First of all, she's a buck, and he's there to fuck. He's there to fuck. First of all, she's almost knocked off by uh, Deadly Viper L Driver, which is Daryl Hannah's character, which is going to inject her with lethal injection, and then Bill aborts the mission right at the last second, which is hilarious because I love the scene where he's just like. You're going to abort now. We owe her better than that. And you just hear her screech on the other side of the phone. You don't know her shit! But damn, she is pissed. Uh, the irony here is that her nickname was California Mountain Snake, which is a non-poisonous snake, and she fails to properly inject the venom here. But, uh, yeah, the bride wakes up, realizes that it's four years later after checking her lifeline. Um, realizes that her baby is gone and then plays possum as Buck the uh, nurse on duty brings in a buddy of his and she basically starts remembering everything that happened that yeah they've pretty much been fucking her the last four years however they want and her plumbing don't work anymore so you can come in her all you want but uh, her cooch could get dry so lube up with some of this it's really 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 fucked up no punching her. <laughs> yeah, no punching her. No leaving any marks. No hickeys. None of that shit. Trucker gets in position, and she basically bites his tongue off, and he bleeds out. When Buck returns, she starts <laughs> pumping she him for cuts, information. She cuts his Achilles. <laughs> which probably hurt like a bitch. God hey, damn. that's how uh, Earl Hinman goes in uh, in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, that's true. Um, he goes down, she starts smashing the door into his head, asks, demanding to know where Bill is. He's like, I don't know no Bill. And then she realizes her name is Buck. She gets that flashback. It's like, so your name is Buck. And you like to fuck. fuck. And 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 you're here to party. (laughs) Yeah. You like my truck, the party wagon? Oh, yes. Another great TV edit is when the pussy wagon becomes the party wagon. Um, but I love that moment of realization on his face when he's like, oh, fuck. And she just pretty much kills him, too. Uh, gets in a wheelchair because her legs do not work, because that's what happens when you don't walk for four years. Uh, and she discovered she's got the pussy wagon keys and goes into the parking lot, and she just... Looks for the pussy wagon. (laughs) It's not hard to miss. It's a big-ass yellow pickup truck with a red interior that says pussy wagon in the back in huge pink letters. She climbs in and... Which which uh, Tarantino owns. Yes, Tarantino has he it has... parked in his driveway. You know what, though? If I had a vehicle like that in my movie, I would totally keep it, too. Well, you could be like Sam Raimi, whose actual car is in like every movie he's ever made. Yeah, why not? A fun fact from wrestling. My Jeep was once part of the entrance to an outdoor World Star Wrestling show. Sweet. Yeah, I, I had to move the gimmicks, though, to park the truck in the right spot. The gimmicks being traffic cones. Yeah, I might tell that story on the Club Cafe podcast, also part of Giant Media Ball, airing tomorrow. I'm sure you have already, actually. I'll tell it again, damn it. 
It's a Johnny Glitter story. Those are great. It tells stories. you to move the gimmicks, and you have no idea. What <laughs> I don't know what. It takes me two full minutes to figure it out. All right, that was a story. I'll probably still tell it again. Move anyway. the gimmicks, and you're just like, there's a lot of things that you could refer to as gimmicks. Because <laughs> you refer to everything as gimmicks. Yeah. So, uh, she wills herself back to walking by getting herself to wiggle her big toe, and then working yep. on the rest of this them. This is our foot fetish scene. Yep. Takes thirteen hours to pull this off. And then she departs. Now, of course, she has the pussy wagon when she kills Vernita Green in the first scene. But that was the second person. Now comes the fun part. It's time to see her kill the first person on her list. Which is Lucy Liu's character. And it's funny because it was originally going to be a pure Japanese person. But because she's American and has Chinese blood, they incorporated that into her character. Just so they could cast Lucy Liu. Just like, uh, we'll just make her uh, Chinese, Japanese, and American. That'll do it. Cue the anime. Yes. Um, she she has no problem tracking down Oren Ishii because she is basically one of the top crime bosses in Tokyo at this part for the Yakuza, which is mispronounced through the entire movie, according to IMDb. But Yakuza kick. Yeah, Yakuza kick. Um, they do an anime flashback to Oren's origin story, which is basically the Yakuza murdering her parents in front of her. Uh, everybody that worked on the film is a big fan of anime, and this is, of course, typical anime with giant bloodshed and swords piercing everything. And because her parents are so brutally murdered in front of her, she becomes a professional assassin and is pretty much the best at her job. She gets revenge because revenge really quickly because the guy is a pedophile. The guy's a pedophile. She's like eleven, and she stabs him with a samurai sword. Oh, while shit talking him, like look into my eyes. Do you recognize who I am, motherfucker? Uh, yeah. Um, Oren is now the boss of this crime syndicate, and anybody who challenges her origin. Or it's her, only uh, happened her once, heritage. Boss Tanaka. Boss Tanaka. She, she decapitates on the scene after <laughs> diligently running across the table. Jumps up and runs across the table. The table just chops his head off. <laughs> just like, whatever. Then she tells everybody in English to show how serious she is while Sophie Fatale translates. That's the Japanese-French. What is she like her? She's not a bodyguard. That's Gogo. She's like her right hand man. Yeah, she's just her, she's hey. like her general. Yeah, she's like her. She's like her assistant, and then Johnny O, which is one of Gordon Liu's characters. Uh, we'll be seeing more of him in the next part. So, in order to get revenge, the bride goes to Okinawa, which is an island off the coast of Japan. Um, Okinawa is also where a friend of mine and her military husband are currently living, and. Seems like a pretty cool place. She's looking for the legendary sword maker, Hattori Hanzo. Although he has sworn a blood oath to never make weapons of destruction again, she seeks out to make the fi- to uh, find him. Finds him in a sushi place, which is funny because Okinawa is not known for having good sushi. So that's actually written into the story as being a really good place to hide out. And uh, he shows her the swords and everything, and. She definitely wants a new one. He's kind of refusing, but when he learns that she's going after his former student, which is Bill, 
he makes her his finest blade, which he says without ego, and presents it to her. And, and if, if, if in your journeys you run into God, God will be cut. Yeah, that's how good this, that's how damn good this blade is. I also which like is this... more like I remember like all this stuff because the copy I got doesn't have any of the subtitles in the Japanese and stuff, which might be a problem for a lot of scenes. Which, uh, which in part one, I the funny thing is I watched part one like the day it came out on DVD. I remember almost everything. I don't remember when I watched part two, but it was definitely later, and I hardly remembered anything specific about part two. Yeah, like, I, I feel knew the, the same main way things that happened. Main things that happen in part two. But I'm like, I don't remember, like, what people said and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel the same way, too. That's also because there's a lot of Cantonese in part two. Well, part two isn't... There isn't a whole lot, except for the flashback to the training training, sequence. the training sequence, yeah. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of translating to be done. Yeah. Whereas in this one, where, like, you know... 75% 75% of the movie takes place in Japan. Yeah. There's an awful lot of Japanese being spoken. So, um... Anyway, she gets her sword, and he's like, You like samurai swords? I like baseball! And throws a baseball at her, she promptly slices it in two. Which, uh... I like actually, a baseball! Yeah. Which actually happened. That was Uma Thurman's stunt legit. double. That was yeah. totally legit. That was not a special effect. Which makes it so much cooler. So she uh, get, takes her sword, flies to Tokyo, and is going after Oren Ishii, who is heading Oh, and, to... and her name is on her ticket. Oh, yes, it is. So, it, says, uh, we... it says Beatrix. Beatrix Kiddo. So we actually, it's another thing, we actually can know her name. Hope no one ever notices. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, what's the name of the place that they go to? The Blue... I can't Blue remember. Lotus, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, House of the Blue Lotus. That's right. Because every time I read it in the in the IMDb, I was like, the House of Blues. When were they at the <laughs> House of Blues? Yeah, the, the House of Blue Leaves. Um, <laughs> the five, six, seven, eights are there performing, and Oren goes with her little entourage to kind of hang out in their room. They all get drunk and start making fun of the curator who. He looks like Ch- uh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> so they just start calling him Charlie Brown. He gets credited as Charlie Brown. Yes, he does. And they, they do that really long Tarantino one-shot where, like, we follow we follow Sophie into the bathroom, then we, or we follow the bride into the bathroom, and we follow them up and down the stairs. <coughs> but uh, she, takes, she takes Sophie hostage and tells Oren they have unfinished business, and to prove how serious she is, just cuts off her left arm. Uh, the place pretty much runs away in fear, and she starts sending some of her crazy 88 bodyguards after her, and she pretty much takes them all out with ease, including chopping up the sword of the first guy, who's like, what the fuck? And then gets skewered. Um, Gogo comes at her, and she tries to reason with her, although we've already established that Gogo's a little insane after she stabbed a businessman, and she's like, do you want to screw me? What? You, you want to screw me. And then she penetrates him. He's like, now I have penetrated you. So, she's, her weapon is, uh, uh what the hell is her weapon? It's a ball and ball chain and with chain, a freaking blade like a, on it. A flail, like, 
like substance. Yep. Uh, she is defeated by a board with nails in it. <laughs> oh no, he's got a board with nails in it! <laughs> he's got a board with a bigger nail! Run, Kodos, run! <laughs> that is the defeat of Gogo. <laughs> she gets the board with nails in the side of her skull and bleeds out every orifice on her face before collapsing. And then she has her stare down with Oren. They have the, the awesome line where she hears all the motorcycles pull up as the rest of the crazy idiots arrive. You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? Why are they called the crazy 88s if there isn't 88 of them? Oh, yeah, that's in part two, right? Or is that in part one? That's when Bud Bud and uh, Bill talk. That's just what they call them. (laughs) I think they they thought it sounded cool. (laughs) Yeah, didn't they make fun of it like those Japs don't know anything or something like that? (laughs) Just like some really racist comment follows that. But uh, what follows here is one of the coolest fight scenes in any movie where the bride destroys the crazy 88s. It, it goes black and white because, because, because of the excessive blood usage. <laughs> and then the, what was it, 450 gallons of fake blood used in these movies? Yeah, God. <laughs> the funniest scene is at the very end when there's, like, the one guy left, and she and spanks him. you realize it's, with, like, a teenager. <laughs> yeah, she spanks him with her swords, like, go home to your mother. And then you see the curator That's flipping out. That's what you get for hanging around with fucking Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, those of you lucky enough to still have your lives, take them with you, but <laughs> leave, leave your, your body parts behind because <laughs> they, they belong, belong to, to me. me. Except for Sophie. And there's, like, the one guy just going apeshit because she's plucked his eye out. And then that seems really funny. And then the the uh, the female curator when <laughs> is just like freaking out about all this shit she has to clean up. Yep. <laughs> but uh, this, of course, leads to the final confrontation out in the snow as Oren and the bride square <laughs> off. Sword to sword. Oren says that you are you too winded. You're not going to last five minutes. And then the fight scene lasts. Four minutes and 59, and 59 seconds. seconds. I love that. And she was originally going to be beheaded at the end, but they changed it to her losing her scalp, the, her scalp because they wanted her to be alive to realize it what really was a Hattori sword. And then as the bride departs Tokyo, she writes down her list. Oren Ishii, Renita Green, Bud... L driver, and then at the end she writes Bill in big ass letters with anger in her writing. Oh, uh, everything's also... in black, but the names are in red. Yes, right. <laughs> this is Killers and the number and everything. But first, she's going to make sure that uh, Sophie lives so she can tell the tale. And every time I'm going to pump you for information, every time. You don't tell me something I want to hear. I'm going to cut something off. And she does. She cuts off a few things. And they're going to be things you'd like. She leaves her alive just so she can go back to Bill and reveal everything that happened. It's like, I and want you to tell her, tell him everything I told you. I want him to know. I want him to know that I know. I want him to know that I know that he knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good interrogation scene. And the the final part, the final scene in part one is Bill asking Sophie if she knows that her daughter is still alive. And That's boom, credits. Crazy end. 
<laughs> Especially like when you first saw it and there was like six months into the next half. Yeah. <laughs> of a movie. Yeah, and you're right. like, holy shit. God damn. But the thing is, like, that's what I really liked about part one. And that's why I like part one better, because that ending is just like, god damn. Um, couple of cool facts about part one before we hit part two. So, so she cut off her boobs, right? That's what... Something like that, yeah. <laughs> she um, took off her whole arm. Yeah. Um, this is the first Tarantino film to feature fewer than 100 uses of the word fuck. It's only used 17 times. Yeah. In this movie. Um, this was Uma Thurman's 30th birthday gift, the script for this movie, which he specifically wrote. All for her. Um, yeah, we already mentioned the black and white photography and how you can actually see her name. Um, underneath her boots, which is only seen when they shot, they show her from under the glass in the Japanese house. She has fuck you written on her boots. And uh, the movie got delayed because Uma Thurman was legitimately pregnant. They could have just so used that for like... some of the scenes, but. So, cool stuff there. Um, took eight weeks to actually shoot the whole finale, which is a little crazy. A um, couple of the trademarks include cereal, red apple cigarettes, the long take, shots from inside the trunk, and of course, bare feet. Wow. Oh, and the uh, the tricks are for kids reference is also um, part of the serial thing, but also a reference to her real name. Oh, yes. And the final body count is 95. 95. Oh, and uh, Julie Dreyfus, who plays Sophie Fatale, actually is trilingual and knows Japanese, French, and English. So that was a little trait they kept in for her character. Oh, she's a trilingual, eh? She is. She likes the boys and the girls? Yep. She sure does. <laughs> now, of course, because it's a Tarantino movie, um, when after she kills Vernita Green, you already know Orenishi's dead because... She's already marked Already crossed up. Well, part two starts off with her driving to kill Bill because he's the only one left, so we all know where that's going. <laughs> Flashback! But, Flashback! But, uh, the whole beginning of part two is the backstory with her at the wedding. Which um, wasn't a wedding, it was a wedding rehearsal. It was a wedding dress rehearsal, because why would you why wear something once after you pay for it? Well, we paid so much for him. Yep. Bill, but she of course, looks so gall darn pretty. Of course, uh, Bill tracks her down, and we start learning all about how he's actually her former lover, although she introduces him as her father to Tommy, her new guy. Um, Owns a record store. Yep, she's at the record store now, and she's loving it. She's all... And she's like McDonald's. She's loving it. <laughs> This party is McDonald's. And of course you get the, uh, you get a Sam. Yep. And of course we get a Samuel L. Jackson cameo as the colored fellow playing the organ. Yep. Who of course. Y'all got a song? 
And of course, you guys all know that Sam Jackson loves being in Tarantino movies. Anybody who's seen Pulp Fiction knows that's one of his best roles. And of course, he's Samuel L. Jackson. He's one of the best actors ever. But yeah, so we get that whole backstory, which of course leads into the assassination squad stepping in. And when you hear the screeches, you hear her scream at Bill when she realizes exactly what's happening. And now it's time for the next part of the revenge. Um, her next target is Bud, Michael Madsen's character, which is Bill's brother. Uh, Bud lives in a trailer and is a bouncer at a titty bar. He's actually uh, sent home for being late because there's no one here to bounce. So are you saying that uh, you're not going to do the job I pay you to do? Well, there's nobody to, for me to do the job you're paying me to do. So he takes him off the calendar. Oh, oh you see? This, you're, working, you're, you're working Tuesday? You don't know what fucking day of the week it is. All the cokehead strippers in there. Uh, Bud knows ex that she's coming because Bill tells her, and they have that really funny exchange where he makes fun of <laughs> the crazy 88s. Um, but he's pretty much ready. He's got a shotgun full of rock salt and shoots her as soon as she tries to get in through the door. Um, sedates her and then buries her alive after taking her Hanzo sword and calling L Driver to let her know what, she, what he's got, because he's going to sell it to her for... A million dollars. A million dollars. Even though he claims he pawned off his old sword. Which you later find out is not true. It's in his guess, golf bag. I guess that makes him a liar. So, of course, now she's buried alive, and it's time to figure out how she's going to get out of this one. So we get a so, flashback. flashback! Flashback to the cruel tutelage of Pai Mai, which is Gordon Liu's next character he was Johnny O and now he's Pai Mei um, this is the guy who trained Bill in martial arts and the inventor of the five point palm exploding heart technique yeah everyone that joins the crew ends up getting trained by Pai Mei <clears throat> right and uh, the five point palm exploding heart technique which inspired the band five finger death punch by the way which is awesome um, he refuses to teach his students this, but it'll kill any opponent by after hitting five strategic pressure points in the heart, and you will take five steps and your heart will explode. So Bill's pretty much prepping her for how cruel this is going to be, because he hates women, he hates Americans, he hates and blondes, he hates, he hates Caucasians. <laughs> yeah, so she's pretty much screwed on four different fronts. And you get a, you get a shot of how he trained her. And he teaches her how to punch a hole through wood from three inches away. You see the water. Which is based off buckets. a classic Bruce Lee thing. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, he treats her he treats her like shit. As he would any student trying to get him to learn if she she won't she's eating her rice with her hands because she can't actually use her chopsticks, and he's like, No, that's that's what dogs do. So all this uh, all this cruel tutelage all it pretty much does is earn his respect, and she starts mastering his techniques. So she gets out of the coffin, even though it's got plywood on it, by using that technique, gets to the surface, and walks into a diner covered in dust, just goes, may I please have a glass of water? <laughs> um, 
Belle arrives at Bud's trailer to get the sword. And... As she arrives is when Beatrix gets over yep. the hill. Yep. And uh, she arrives. Is this when we learn her real name? I forget uh, the exact yeah. scene. Uh, it's Elle that says it. Yeah. Elle says it, and then they got that little flashback where she's in, like, the first grade classroom with pigtails. Yes. Beatrix kiddo. Present! <laughs> uh, Tarantino, when he does comedy, he does comedy quite well. But, uh, Elle tricks Bud into basically murdering him by hiding a black mamba, which, of course, was kiddo's code name. In the million dollars, bites him in the head, and then she she Wikipedia's information about the snake. And Dan, you're the, you're the you like this scene, so you can talk about it. <laughs> she just she has it all written on in like her flip pad or whatever. And it's just <laughs> and it's just like uh, it takes about blah 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 amount, but the black mama can can go like a hundred milli, milliliters. For, and then this next part pertains to you, and she turns the page. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's just laying there convulsing and breathing heavy. Yeah. She's like, it could kill you in 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. If you get hit in, like, the leg, you could last, like, up to four hours. But torso or face shots, yeah, 20 minutes. 20, 20 minutes at the best. Which is just enough time to hear the rest of this. Because he had asked her if she had any regrets about anything that happened. And oh, yeah. is, it, is it regret or relief you feel yeah. knowing that she's dead? Yeah, but it was regret because she deserved better than to be killed by a freaking redneck like him. But LOL, she's not dead, and as she prepares to leave the trailer, dropkick, just her. a flying dropkick, <laughs> <laughs> flying dropkick. As soon as the door opens, yep, to get her sword back after discovering Bill's sword, and uh, we also learn a little bit about Elle's backstory. So, uh. What did you say to Pai Mei to make him pluck out your eye? I called him a miserable old fool. Oh, and LOL, I killed that miserable old fool by poisoning his fish heads. So, one-eyed L driver goes after Beatrix. They sword fight. L gets the upper hand, and Beatrix plucks out her other eye. And she friggin' has a spaz attack. Where the fuck are you, bitch? She, she stays in the bathroom the entire time. <laughs> the bathroom, which now has, like, one wall. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because of the fight. She just kind of drops the eyeball to the ground, squishes it. Oh, they're, they're barefoot! Yeah, oh. barefoot! Barefoot and eyeball. Tarantino, Tarantino's really gotta, gotta stop this shit. <laughs> God damn. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, we don't actually see Elle die. But, but there is a black mamba in there's there. a black mamba in the trailer and she's completely blinded in the middle of nowhere and she's freaking out and like banging around so yeah so she's pretty much screwed so she doesn't even kill bud l does it for her yep pretty much um she doesn't directly kill l or bud and she, there's the only two characters that she doesn't say that we have unfinished business with because neither one of them physically assaulted her at her wedding. They were just present for it. So it's almost like poetry, symmetry. I don't know how you would want to word that. It's 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 like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> 
that works. I don't have to um, save you either. <laughs> so, well, she so she tracks down Bill in the Mexican countryside by meeting Esteban, who is like a the old uh, pimp, eighty-year-old yeah, Mexican pimp. The old Mexican pimp, again, Michael Parks. <laughs> Oh, and, and it was a real brothel they shot in, and all those girls were real were whores real. at the real brothel. <laughs> Including the one with the hair lip. Ugh. So gross. But, it, yeah. Um, Again, there's Michael Parks playing an 80-year-old Mexican man. And he's completely unrecognizable from the previous movie. I was like, wait a second, that's Michael Parks, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, daddy. <laughs> like I said, in... Uh, um, in... Uh, Twin Peaks, he plays he plays a freaking French Canadian guy. Yep, like he could do anything you want him to, I guess. Ah man, awesome, awesome appearance by him. Um, she manages to track down Bill and realizes that, yep, that is indeed her child who is still alive. Uh, Bibi, her name is, and. Uh, Bill is now, like, this loving father to B.B., and it's sort of, like, confessing all the regrets he has and everything, and they do this little life-and-death analogy with her goldfish. Like, uh, what happened to your goldfish? I stepped on him. I took him out of his bowl. And, uh, no, like, you should put him on the carpet, and how did you step on him? I took him, I put him there. <laughs> it's all confessions of a four-year-old with an analogy of life and death. But uh, they're figuring out how they are going to finish each other off after he interrogates her with truth serum to get a couple of things out of her, including why she abandoned him. Because when she discovered she was pregnant... She was on all, a mission. Yeah, she was actually on a mission to assassinate Lisa Wong. And they sent Karen Kim after her. And when she realized she was pregnant, all she wanted to do was just get out at that point. And that's exactly what she did. <laughs> she, like, backs out of the room. And then through the hole she made with the shotgun, she's like, congratulations, and then runs away. <laughs> and then runs away. <laughs> but uh, her and Bill have a little skirmish, and she hits him with the five-point palm exploding heart technique, which he secret was secretly taught when Bill was so shocked by that. Uh, they make their peace. As Bill stands up and takes his fateful five steps and then collapses. See, now, this is my thing. Like, you have five steps before you die, so then, like, the get a wheelchair or something, you know? Have someone carry you around. <laughs> yeah, right? Wheelchair it up the rest of your life. Yeah. But, uh... No, Pull a he... Simsack. God. But, no, he accepts his fate. Uh, she takes her child. She kind of cries herself out of everything. And uh, her and BB leave to start their new life. The credits roll, and it's that awesome credit sequence where they show you all the characters from both parts and who played them in the order that they appeared, which I love credit scenes like that. And they end with Uma Thurman, a.k.a. The Bride, a.k.a. Beatrix Kiddo, a.k.a. Black, Ma Black Mamba, and then a.k.a. AKA Mommy. Uh, awesome ending... Overall, absolutely love these films. Huge fan of them. Dan, what about you? Uh, really enjoy them. Yes. Uh, but my, I would say my favorite Tarantino film is Inglorious Bastards, though. 
Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I still say these are my favorite Tarantino movies, and I kind of say them as one because they were originally intended as one. But I'll be damned if Inglorious Bastards wasn't friggin' awesome. We're gonna have to review that at some point. Yeah, I've seen. Well, in order of me seeing them, alright? I saw Pulp Fiction, then I saw Reservoir Dogs, then I saw Dish Kilbilge, then, yeah, then Glorious Bastards, and then uh, Django. Go. So I almost saw them in the in the right order. Almost, yeah. Except I have for yet... I saw Reservoir Dogs second. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to see Django, so. Oh, Django's but... really good. It's like three hours, though, but it's good. Yeah, I'd still enjoy it, though. I'm sure I would. Like I said, I like it's it not though. a. It's it's not like a. Wow, this movie's three hours. It's like, oh, cool. That movie was three hours. <laughs> so, all right. So a couple of quick facts about this movie. Um, Robert Rodriguez scored the movie for a buck. Tarantino repaid him by directing part of Sin City for a buck. Uh, he originally wanted Pyme's lines to be done with a bad English dub job, but then abandoned it and just use the Cantonese subtitles. The bride never actually says anything to Bud. There are no words spoken from her to him. Just a lot of, a lot of, ugh, because of the salt. Yep. Salt in your tits. Um, the original actor who was going to play Esteban couldn't do it, so Tarantino's like, Michael Parks is good, I'll just, uh, I'll just throw him in there. Oi, oi, oi. So, uh, pretty cool stuff there. Um, the entire L driver going nuts scene was improv and she did it because she wanted to make Tarantino laugh, and of course he did. She also sustained injuries by breaking so much shit in the bathroom. Um, every single person who receives an on-screen death in the Kill Bill movies does so by a female. Oh really? Yep. There were a couple of Wilhelm screams in the in, in the, the fight. There were, uh, Vernita Green, Buck, Go Go, the Crazy Eighty Eights, Oren Ishi, and Bill are all killed by Bri the Bride, and then Paime Bud are killed by L. Boss Tanaka is killed by Oren, and the Tokyo Businessman is killed by Go Go. Crazy. Indeed. Um, we got some uh, comments. On the film? Oh, yes, interactives. Yes. Uh, do you want to read these, or would you like me to do oh, them Oh, I don't have them. <laughs> oh, I don't well, have them up. That and my computer will be pissed at me if I try to open it up, open it up <laughs> now. If I did it earlier, maybe, but not now. All right. So, uh, first comment is uh, from listener Taylor Chadwick. He says, these are awesome movies. In your face since the first minute. Has an awesome soundtrack. Pretty cool deaths from the eye removal to the death of Bill. Always worth a rewatch, and I honestly, any Tarantino film is worth many rewatches. Well, to be fair, some of them are worth rewatches to understand what the fuck's happening. Oh yeah, this this, this movie had the Yep, that. Denzel Thomas, who is a humongous fan of these movies. Again, comments on the soundtrack. If he had to pick a fight scene, he would pick Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu's fight scene. Uh, also, Lucy's speech after decapitating the guy that dissed her in the meeting was badass. Boss Tanaka. Uh, brought up her heritage. 
And that's the only time that happened. Um, Denzel also points out there are rumors that Tarantino would do a third part to this series, which would be centered around Nikki. That would be Vanita Green's daughter. She would be grown up and seeking revenge. If you remember, Kiddo did say, come find her when you're ready. <clears throat> and then he even said they could even do a fourth movie where Vivica's daughter takes on Beatrice's daughter, the ultimate showdown. Um, personally, I don't think I would like to see a part three. This is one of those movies that I'm such a huge fan of and I like how it ended that I like to leave the story alone and just kind of let it be its own thing. What, what do you think? Would you be interested in a part three? No way, there's loose ends. <laughs> Fine, jeez. The ending is too open. It's, it's really not that open, but okay. But yeah, um, yeah. So I personally wouldn't want to see that, but I'm sure plenty of people would. So I mean, I would watch it. Oh yeah, I would definitely watch it. I wouldn't be excited about it or anything. But then again, I didn't think I was going to be ex this excited about a fourth Jurassic Park, and I'm going nuts over this. So yeah. I know um, you were like singing the song when you joined the call. Now, now, I was doing that. <laughs> That's um, exactly what you were doing. <laughs> the last comment comes from Aaron Koditz, who offered the suggestion for the films in the first place and thanked us for that. By the way, you are welcome. Trust us, this was so awesome to watch. Um, favorite scene is the first one. Uh, a favorite scene in the first one is when Lucy Liu decapitates the boss. Yeah, it's a pretty popular scene. Uh, second movie is harder to pinpoint, but probably the moment she finds out her daughter is alive. Because there's a real emotion waving over her. Just like, bang, bang, you're dead, mommy. Oh, mommy shot us. And then, come on, mommy, you're dead. So she's like, oh, shit, I better play along with this because, holy crap, my daughter's alive. Uh, really good stuff. She's impervious to bullets. Yes. Impervious to bullets. Um, awesome movies awesome soundtrack i love the mixture of like the the western and the spanish influence and then like the japanese music of course it is all over the place but it fits so well so highly highly recommend these movies and we'll definitely watch them again any final thoughts dan eight out of ten would watch again there you go all right uh Next week is our final week of Listener Request Month, and then we're going to move on to some baseball films for April before we count it down to the Avengers. So that's coming up. we got some baseball coming up in April for four weeks, but hey, there's a fifth week in April, and guess what that's going to be? The Avengers, because Age of Ultron comes out May 1st. Uh, next week is Fight Club. This was our final request by Jason Shin. Should be the second movie he's actually requested for us. But uh, I do like Fight Club, and I'm more than willing to watch that again. So tune us. Yeah, tune us, yeah. Join us next week. Tune us if you want, I guess. Whatever. And uh, it's going to be Fight Club. Fight Club. Yes. Foot, 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 foot for life. Bounce, bounce, bounce. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.